All right. Uh, I've been ministering on a place called In the Spirit, and I'm going to continue on that. And, uh, but I want to start off here with uh, just kind of rehearsing or, or staying. We, we have to realize the power of want to that works in our life. Amen. We all have a want to. Uh, Psalms 23, 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. But we all have a want to. And I, I was thinking about this power of want to, and I was kind of rehearsing in my brain, Adam and Eve. Man, can you imagine what life would have been like if we could have been in the garden? But their want to messed them up. At one tree out of the whole garden, all this fruit that they could eat of, but their want to messed it up for all of us. And then they, they get out of the garden and, uh, you know, they're starting to make life here on earth and going through everything on that. They have some, you know, uh, you know, the people start populating and whatnot. And then the Bible says that uh, the, the people on the uh, earth, uh, Genesis chapter 6, they have no thoughts of God. And uh, God says, I'm going to destroy it all. And then uh, uh, Noah preaches, a, a preacher of righteousness, over, over a century he preaches. And nobody listens. Their want to is, I, I don't want to do that. And he's telling them, this whole earth is going to be destroyed. Yeah, but I want to do this. And then one day, it actually happened. And, and eight souls lived, just knowing his family. And all the people that lived by their want to died. And then there comes a time later on when uh, you have the, the two cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, people driven by their want to. No thought of God. And uh, God destroys it. And even Lot's wife, who Lot was called a just man, his wife, she couldn't help from looking back and being attached to it. Turns to a pillar of salt. Interesting. And then let's fast forward to the end of times. Um, According to Bible eschatology, we're going to go through a seven-year tribulation period. Uh, then there's a battle of Armageddon. Then we move into what's called the millennial reign of Christ. Satan is bound for a thousand years. Jesus sets up rulership on this earth. Uh, everything, there's, there's no devil. There's no any of this. Everything is just God, God's judgment. And then it says that Satan is loosed uh, uh, at the end of that. And in a very short period of time, gathers an army together. All these people, they want to. Living in an environment where it worked. And then this want to kicks up. And you got the battle of Gog and Magog. And then after that, the time shall be no more. And I, I made the, the statement a minute ago based on John 10, 10. What has the enemy come to kill, steal, and destroy in your life? Do you recognize it? Because it's always in the realm of want to. He doesn't come and fight. He's not going to come and tempt me with beans. I guarantee you. Never, 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 never. Because it's not, there's no want to there. There's no temptation there. It stinks. Um, and everyone, I mean, I've been to Mexican food restaurants and they actually got a little bean in something. I take that bite and it's like, 
He's not going to, he, he's going to tempt and he's going to come to kill, steal and destroy in the arena of want to. Yeah. And, and I can tell you, you know, failures of mine back when I was in finance, uh, uh, in this one office, I had two Mexican gals that worked for me and they were just like awesome cooks. And, uh, and every once in a while, they, and they knew I loved Mexican food, and every once in a while they'd get together and say, okay, let's uh, you know, make some enchiladas and rice and stuff like that, and we'll just bring it down so everybody could eat, and we'd show up for, for work, and, and we had lunch. I can't tell you how many times it showed up on a day I was fasting. <laughs> and I failed. Well, I'll just fast tomorrow. You know what it was? Want to. And we need to understand this power of want to, especially as we're talking about this entering the realm of this place called in the spirit. Now, logically, it doesn't make sense because what God has for us is far more than what you could ever provide for yourself. I mean, you just watch people. They're goofy. Uh, You know, uh, we're all goofy. I'm not picking on one individual. All of us are goofy left to our own devices. And you just watch him and, and the decisions they make and the things that they do. And they, they just think they're so confident in it. And it's like it never works. It's like one battle after another battle. And uh, uh, yet they, they continually do it. So let's get into the word of God in Genesis chapter 25. Yeah. We're going to thank you. We're going to get back here to the beginning of time. And I want to show you something that is very powerful in this this realm Uh, of this place called in the spirit. Genesis chapter 25, verse 29 says, And Jacob sought pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. I want to make a note here in verse 29, this word faint. Faint is a very dangerous place. Have you ever said something like, I'm so tired of this? You're faint. Man. I hate this. You're faint. The power of faint is detrimental in our life. Now, the Bible, what's the con? You, you know, you just say, well, I'm worn out, man. How, how can you not be faint? I'm so worn out. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Yeah. Build yourself up on your most holy faith. Uh, when you've done everything to stand, stand. Uh, we, we, we cannot allow ourselves to get into the position of faint because when you do, you are about to make a wrong decision. Because in faintness, want to becomes a driving force. It's, uh, it's amazing to me in the day and age we live in, people just want to sleep their lives away. They don't realize it's because they can't handle what's coming against them. They've grown faint and they just want to, you know, magically disappear or something like that. I don't have to deal with it. Addictions are at all times highs. Why? Because I, I don't have to face my want to if I, if, when I get into my addiction. So he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with the same red pottage, for I'm faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. Now, this verse here, verse 30, is very, very important, although it just kind of sounds like an informational type verse. This decision was going to establish Esau's destiny. He became the father of the Edomites who were the enemies of Israel. Now, now stop and think about it. If you think about historically and the, the time in which they live, Esau was the eldest of the sons, which not only gave him rights within his family, 
but it also gave him spiritual rights with God based on the prophecies given to Abraham. That Israel, Jacob, ends up taking. Now, I hope you see the, the significance of this. The, the eldest son got everything. There's a who he was in this. He not only had a positional right within the family, he had a spiritual right of the blessing that was on Abraham. But he came to this point where he was faint, he was weak. He allowed himself to get tired out and he was hungry. And so he says, uh, feed me, I pray thee, with this pottage. And then Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. Now, the birthright is, um, this is what he inherits by position. That being the eldest son, everything that his father owned would pass to him. He was a very rich man, although he didn't see it. In who he was. Because right now he's got a big problem. I'm hungry. And look at his rationalization in the next verse. And Esau said, Behold, I'm at the point to die. What profit shall this birthright do to me? Now, we don't just read this ver this, these verses about Esau. You've got to bring this into you. What are you trading for what has been given to you? What pressure is upon you that you're willing to let go of what God has given to you in order to satisfy a momentary event, need, pressure. Verse 31, uh, some of this day, uh, thy birthright. And he says, what will it profit me? Verse 33, and Jacob said, swear to me this day. And he swore unto him and he sold his birthright. Now, that word birthright, uh, by definition, means any right or privilege to which a person is entitled by birth. Did, have you ever heard this, this word, two words? Born again? Does it mean anything to us? Do you know that by being born again, you're entitled to something by birthright? This isn't just an Old Testament story so we can read about history. Jesus said, you search the scriptures and in them you think you have life, but they're talking about me. We have a birthright. Amen. Now, a birthright is an inheritance. We qualify. How, how did that definition go again? Uh, any right or privilege to which a person is entitled by birth. But, but Esau rationalizes it what good will this birthright do to me if I die? But he missed the promise of being the child that he had a right to operate a certain way. If he knew who he was, would there not have been an answer? Es not Esau, uh, Samson, when he was faced with 1,000 Philistines, he looked around to see what God had provided for him, and he found the jawbone of a donkey, picked it up, said, okay, let's go, to, let's go to war. He knew by birthright, having this, this covenant with God, 
that God had established him as somebody that now there would always be an answer. See, so we have an identity element in here. The birthright, Esau, so, so Jacob was rich. Remember, you know, if we go back in the story about, you know, working for uh, Rachel and then working for, uh, uh, had to, you know, got Leah, then worked another seven years for Rachel. And his, his father Laban changed his wages 10 times, but no matter how he changed it, God blessed him. Because he had the blessing. God blessed him and he prospered. And remember he had the, he took all the spotted cattle and then, then and all the spotted cattle multiplied and, and Laban got upset and says, I want the spotted cattle. He's all right, I'll give you all the spotted cattle and I'll take all the solid ones. And then all the solid ones starts. And, and all this stuff, his cattle, his camels, his, his this, his that, all this kind of stuff uh, that, that he had, Esau, was the next heir of it. Esau did not have to go out and get the cattle. He did not have to go out and get the sheep and the goats and the, the whatever else he had that made him a very rich man. He didn't have to do it because of his birthright. Okay, I'm not talking about Jacob and Esau and, and all them. I'm talking about you and me. Amen. We are through the born-again experience, by birthright, an heir, a joint heir with Christ. Everything that Christ did and possesses, we are now by, by, by how did that de definition go again? Uh, by right or privilege to which a person is entitled by birth. When we are born again, we are now entitled to what he possesses. I'm not trying to, to talk about how to get enough money to pay your electric bill. I'm not trying to talk about how to get enough money to put gas in your car. Whether there's food on the table. I'm talking that by birthright, Jesus repossessed everything that Satan gained in the garden through Adam's trespass. He regained it. Everything, Psalms 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and everything that dwells with therein. It, it's now we are entitled. When you look around, not, not the, I'm, I'm pointing beyond the walls. When you look around this city, this county, this state, God owns it and he wants you and me to control it. And we're just trying to figure out how to get through the next problem. Then we get ourselves faint. Then we make a bad decision. Then we walk down a bad path and we ask God to get us out of the mess. He gets us out of the mess. We're just like uh, uh, the Israelites in the wilderness. You know, uh, uh, they do stupid. God sets up uh, an answer to get them out of it and restores everything back. Then they do stupid. And uh, the whole history of the Old Testament of Israel and walking with God is they join up with the, the, the rest, all those that are living in a failed society, the heathens, and then God delivers them out. They go into bondage. God delivers them out. Uh, it sounds like the same life we're living. We go from one problem to another problem to another problem. And he's trying to make you and me sons and daughters. Do you know what sons and daughters of a king is? Prince and princesses. The prince, I, I mentioned that with Charles just a minute uh, ago. Uh, over there across the pond. He, he, he somehow, probably because he was born into it, realized he was a prince. 
No, I have rights and privileges in this kingdom. As a child, you have rights and privileges in this kingdom. And Esau said, Behold, I'm at the point to die. He rationalized this out. What good is this to me? If I die, and Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. This is like one of the most discouraging um, verses. And he did this for a pot of beans. I can't even wrap my mind around it. I don't know if I could be so hungry I want a pot of beans. Maybe. People talk about you'll eat almost anything when you get to that point. Uh, this, this would fall into the category of almost anything. He did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Watch this. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now that word despised right there, it means low opinion of. Our decisions are based upon what we value. At this point in time, Esau valued filling his belly more than walking in his birthright. Are you going to tell me we haven't done this? We, we, we face a problem in life. We place, face a difficult situation in life. And all we're focused on is that situation. How do I get through it? When, when our father has said everything is mine and I've, I've brought you back into it. How many Christians today despise their new birth, birthright? You know, it, it's an amazing thing to me. I probably should have brought this out in the money sequence. Maybe I did. I don't remember. But when you get into and study out very, 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 very rich people, they, the vast majority of them believe in the tithe. They actually even use the word tithe, even so that they don't do it the same way. But it's a tenth. And they call it a tithe. But they give back to the community. They give to a charity foundation. They, they, they just do something good because they realize that with everything that has come to them, that they've got to give back and they've got to be honorable with what is given to them. Yet the church fights to try to justify why tithe is not right. But those with the money understand it. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. People are weird creatures. And uh, so let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12. All right. We're going to start reading at verse 14. Follow peace with all men. Amen. Now, for the word of God to say follow peace, peace is a leader. And holiness. Holiness is a leader also. Now, now, now watch this. This powerful verse. Follow peace and holiness with all men. So now in every situation, every encounter that you have with another person, peace will lead you through it. But, but in order for... There's, there's an old Chinese uh, proverb. I always liked it. And it said, He who leads with no one following simply takes a walk powerful truth in that so in order to lead you have to have a follower but when I come in contact with you and you start doing you do you know how hard it is to follow peace because what do I want to follow my want to 
And in doing that, I have despised my birthright. Don't shout me down. (laughs) And every decision sets the course for where we will end up. So now I have a leader of peace and holiness. The question comes or or the circumstance comes based on the devil. He's trying to get me out of that follow and trying to get me into my want to. See, there's a place where this works. And we've already been given the birthright. We have an inheritance. Well, I wish my parents would have left me something. Uh, Your spiritual parent did. Why, why are you focused on the little that the natural parent did when the spiritual father's left you everything? He's not waiting to try to give something to somebody. He's waiting for somebody to walk in what he's given to them. See, we've messed this up because in the born again experience, we say we've invited Jesus into my life. You don't want part of your life. Your life's goofed up. He's invited us into his life. There's a huge difference in mentality in that. Well, I received Jesus. You better be more concerned that he received you. Because in Matthew chapter 7, he says, many came to me saying, Lord, Lord, have we not done all these things? And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. It's not the, the fact of whether we've received him. Did he receive us? Now, he wants all to come to him. But he's not wanting them to come to him on their terms. Because he paid the price, he gathered everything together in the birthright. Are you following me? Follow peace with all men and holiness. Watch this. Without which no man shall see the Lord. I wonder what it means to not be able to see him. It could be as simple as we won't see the manifestation of our prayer that we're asking. It could be that we don't see him eternally. I mean, I don't know what it means, but I I don't think I would take light of it. Okay, we'll move on. (laughs) Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. This is an interesting verse uh, to me in light of uh, modern doctrines because people talk about grace because of the grace of God, you know, we can basically do no wrong. We're all good. But here he says we can fail the grace of God. The grace of God empowers us to do what God has commanded us to do, to walk in and fulfill everything that he's done. And we can fail that. Now, if we use New Testament terminology, took it back to the Old Testament, we could ask the question, did Esau fail the grace of God? Well, the answer has to be either yes or no. So if it was no, then why does the scripture say he despised his birthright? If it's yes, he failed the grace of God, then what would have happened if he would have not sold his birthright and just stood on the promises that was granted to him by birthright? I'm not talking about Esau, I'm talking about us. See, because you and I come into into decisions every day. We come into places every day where we make decisions. 
And are we walking in the grace of God, meaning that we're relying on the power of God to establish the word of God? Remember Romans 12, 2, that you may prove what is good, acceptable, perfect will of God. Am I proving? Am I walking it out? See, this was a great opportunity for Esau to say, no, because of my birthright, because of the blessings of my father, I will not die, but food will come to me. He would approach the problem by the word of God. Most people are waiting for Jesus to do something, but when he was on the cross, he said, it's finished. I've done everything I need to do. Now you go walk in it. In, in verse 28 of Matthew, he comes back and he says, all grace or all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Now you go in this power. Again, I'm preaching better than you're saying yeah. amen. Looking diligently, lest any man fail, the grace of God, <coughs> lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. It's amazing how many Christians are troubled. I wonder how much bitterness is actually in all the people that say that they're born again. And therefore, thereby many, say many, many. be defiled. Bitterness equals defilement. lest there be any fornicators or profane person as Esau. New Testament now, going back to the story we read in, in Genesis 25, Esau was a profane person. That word point, profane means pointless, worthless, secular, unspiritual, or godless. How was he a profane person? Because he despised his birthright. He, he made short-term decisions when he had long-term promises to solve immediately, immediate difficulties with his own brain power. That's what I talked about on Wednesday. If you weren't here on Wednesday night, I'd go back and watch the video where I, I, I talked about putting on this new man and how to have this mind of Christ. We've been given the mind of Christ. How do we operate within it? We don't just wake up and it's just not going to function through us. It's something that we have to pursue. But there's battles that gets in the that gets in the way. And uh, uh, so that he, they called him profane in verse 16. Let's, let's read about his profaneness. Who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright? I go back to are we selling out on our birthright? Do you understand you are a child of God and everything that he possesses is yours as a child? Remember the, the, uh, the story of, the, um, of what people call the prodigal son? And when the son came back, the, the dad said, man, go, go kill a fatted calf. We're going we're gonna to feed everybody. We're going to have a good time here and rejoice that, that my son that was lost has come back. And the other brother who had been living there the whole time got mad and he said, uh, you had access to this all the time. The, the fact that you didn't take advantage of it, that's your own doing. It's our own doing that we're not living in our birthright. Because we've got doctrinal positions in our head that we think about, about business, money, life, uh, family, and all these kind of things. And we're doing things the way that we have been taught by the world and we don't understand. It's what I talked about on Wednesday. You cannot see what God is doing or, or the real truth of the matter if you live in your mind, and that's referring to live by, by natural facts and circumstances, you will never see the depth of what Jesus has done when we, and what is available to us if we live in our mind. Amen. Who for one morsel of meat <coughs> sold his birthright. For you now know 
how that afterward. Now the afterward is after the birthright. So where would the birthright come from? It would be the passing of his father. The inheritance would be passed and he would have all of daddy's stuff. Who that after the birthright, he would have inherited the blessing. Now I'm probably going to get into the blessing next week because we've really cheapened the word blessing. Hachu, bless you. And really it doesn't mean anything. I mean, sure, if we break it down, people are saying, you know, good health to you or, you know, like the German word Gesundheit, uh, good health to you or, or wellness to you or something like that. And we say bless you. And then we go on. And, and uh, I was blessed because I got a, a, parking, a parking space at the mall closer than, a, you know, out in the back 40. And uh, we, we've, we've cheapened down this word blessing. But now we can see something here. Okay. If we can't receive the inheritance, how do we receive or walk in the blessing? Because, let's go back to Scripture. Who, for we know that how afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. He regretted his decision and he cried about it, but he never repented. Now, we want to walk in this place called in the spirit because it is the place of in the power. We've got to be able to fight every realm of darkness that tries to knock on our door. And, you know, darkness doesn't knock. It tries to bang and kick the door down. But if we can't master the the inheritance, the birthright, how are we going to get into the functionality of the blessing? It should matter to us. Let's go to uh, Hebrews 11. That's just a page like over to your left. Now, this word inheritance, it means to appoint or obtain by lot. Again, it's a position of you're born into it. It, You're appointed to it or you obtain it after the fact by lot. An estate derived from an ancestor ancestor to an heir. So for us, our born again experience puts us in position that we have a right to everything that Jesus owns. The estate that Jesus got, which he, he, he repossessed everything back from the devil. So what's my problem? Either Jesus didn't do it right or I'm missing something in the process. It's mine. You're not trying to get Jesus to heal you. You're trying to walk in healing. You're not trying to get Jesus to give you money. You're trying to walk in what he's already done to get you money. The favor. Everything about it. Now go to verse 8. 11, 8. By faith. So the first thing we see is faith. So this faith has a, uh, I dare say a name. And people go political on me. Okay. I'm going to take a personality because there's a point here. And whether you love the guy or hate the guy, just don't go political on me. Donald Trump. Okay. Now, I'm not talking about where he's at spiritually. I'm talking about the faith he, he has inside of him. Whether as a businessman or as a, a politician, 
You know, and on the politician, he said everybody and their brother coming against him, suing him, trying to bring him down. Before that, in business, he had all kinds of, of things. But he has an internal faith that he wins. And he's not willing, or he's not uh, afraid to fight back. So I remember one story, it was when he purchased Merlago, and uh, he wanted to put a flagpole out there. City came against him. I can't remember how many feet up. He had this huge flagpole. Uh, uh, I'm just going to put numbers on it. I don't remember what it was, but let's say the flagpole was 300 feet tall. And the city came and says, you can't do that. We have ordinances. You can only go up uh, uh, 200 feet, you know, 250 feet. I remember he was just kind of a bit over it. They said, just knock it down 50 feet and you're good. So so he tried to fight it and he wasn't winning, but he, he didn't give up. Now, now, what am I talking about? The faith to win. Okay, and I'm not talking about biblical faith. I'm just talking about an internal focus that I can make it happen. So he set his brain to it. So then he, he ordered them, bring in dirt, build up a hill on my property, and put the flagpole on top of it. And the shortage that he had that the county was talking about, he dug up the dirt so it still met code that it was only this many feet above the ground, and he won. Because he believed he could do it. And there's a lot of stories like this, and you've seen it in the news you know, since the presidency and everything like that. Uh, but the internal element of it, I can do this. Okay, now let's flip it over to the born-again believer who's been given all things, <clears throat> yet many don't have a belief system that they can do it because of what he did. We look at our condition. We look at the opposition. We look at what we're fighting against. But, but, but wait a minute. Aren't we prince and princesses? Why do we submit to a lower authority in this life of what we can or cannot do when when the word of God, Old Testament, New Testament, we've been given authority over these things and have been given something. So number one, Abraham, by faith, in verse eight, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place. Number two, you got to move into a place. I've been talking about this based on what Pastor Harbaugh preached when he was here, that place called in the spirit. By faith, you've got to move into this place. And in this place is everything that you need, which he should after uh, receive for an inheritance. So in order to receive the inheritance, he had to, number one, by faith, and number two, move into this place in order to receive the inheritance. That's why we're struggling is we're not releasing faith or we have not built the what I call the attitude of faith, which operates differently than the 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 spiritual component of faith. You've got to know that through this rebirth, you are now a child of the king and you have been granted the birthright of everything that Jesus brought in. If you really believe it, and most people don't, if you really believe it, you want to move into the place. But I just gave you story after story, starting with, with um, the garden, the flood, Sodom and Gomorrah, the millennial reign. People fight this want to is what they want is greater than what they've been given. If we could only see it. 
Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Is this making sense to you? You're not trying to be somebody. You're born into it. You're born into it. If you're born again, you're born into it. You now by birthright are an heir. So, but there's so many other heirs. I don't know if there's going to be enough for me. Stop it. Ephesians 1.11, in whom, now this place in whom is the place called in the Spirit. It's in Him. Also, we have obtained an inheritance. In Him, in whom, also, we have obtained an inheritance. This is our birthright. Okay, so what is our inheritance? Now, now I can go into many things. I've already talked about how uh, He repossessed everything back from... Um, uh, from the devil. But let's go to 1 John chapter 5 and let's just wait, read one component because this is going to deal with that attitude of faith on which we are allowed to function in. In 1 John 5 verse 4, for whosoever is born of God, that's the, that's the born again experience, right? Born of God? Amen. Is Peter the only one in here that knows when you're born again, you're born of God? <laughs> are we on the same page there? Yes. Okay. If what, for whosoever is born of God, that right there, you are born again. That right there has made you an heir or given you a birthright. Okay, so let's, read, let's tie this all together with this born again <coughs> entitlement. Overcometh the world. Let's read again. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. part of your inheritance. It's what he did. Born again. You overcome. Do you have a mindset that you win at everything? Now I understand life's not easy and there's things that hit us from left field and, and there's things that we have to deal with but do you win in everything? Or are you hoping God does something? See there's this by faith that we move into this that no this thing's going to work for me. I can do this. Oh, but you're not smart enough. Doesn't matter how smart I am. I'm going to rely on his smarts. You're not good enough. Doesn't matter about my goodness. He's good. And I'm going to tap into his goodness. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. I've got to put my faith. By faith, Abraham, he had to go into a place where he received an inheritance. But how do we overcome the world? We do it by faith. Many people are wanting Jesus to do something. And he's saying, just release your faith and you do it. Walk in it as though it is. But what happens is a lot of times, even when we're believing God for something, we're waiting for him to do it. He's already done it. You got to walk as though it's already done. I've already been healed. I've already been given all sufficiency. I've already overcome this. I've already overpowered this. I, I have victory. I am a person of victory. Nothing can come against me that will win. Now, if I get faint in the process, I run the risk of making a bad decision that keeps me out of it. Verse 5. 
Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. For Jesus to be the Son of God, Jesus is the one who he, he's the one who got all the cattle, all the lambs, all the all the inherit, you know, all the stuff for that we become inheritance to. I believe that he's done it, and I am now in him. Let's stand. You and I control the outcome. And going back to to the element of Esau where he despised his birthright, he valued something greater than what God said. And you know, we all ran into that problem. Because I'll be honest with you, God has said some pretty hard things. He's messed with our time. He's messed with our budget. He messed with the place that we're supposed to go to. He, he messed with the, what he wants us to do. In fact, one of those verses I just kind of read, read over, it uh, talked about the um, predestined. Pre, meaning before, which we could go to Ephesians chapter 1, before the foundation of the earth. He created a destination. And Jeremiah, he said that in uh, your mother's womb, he knew you. He's got a plan for us. Now, are we walking out the plan? Because in that place, our plan will materialize. What we need will manifest. But we've got to make the word a reality. Because as you go through the Bible, it's a constant theme. Do what I said. Do what I said. The biggest battle of do what I said is my want to. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Being married gives you so many examples. <laughs> Tammy, do this. No, I don't want to. I don't say that. Right, it's a good story, though. Maybe it's the other way around. David, do this. I don't want to. Do you know how many times God's trying to get us to do something? Yes. You, you know, it's really interesting, thing, something I found out about God. He picks the most inconvenient times to want us to do something. I mean, I wonder if he's just trying to see if he's Lord in our life. I've always, when I've taught on Psalms uh, 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Do you know if the Lord's really your shepherd? You won't be driven by your wants. Verse 2 is great. He maketh me lie down. I still, was it by in green pastures or still waters? Why does he got to make us? Because the grass is always greener on the other side. Just, just sit here, David, by this water and this grass. Oh, that grass over there. <laughs> then you get over there and it's like, well, it's not no better than what was there. Why didn't I just stay? We people are goofy, and we think we're smart. We, we know what we need to do. You know, we've done recovery for years and years and years, and, and I can't tell you the number of people that come in, and they know how and what they need to be fixed. Okay, let me break it down. <laughs> if they knew how, they would be fixed. We people are funny. Because we got all of our opinions. 
It's funny to listen to a person that has a lot of opinions and very little knowledge. It's almost like a comedy act. You, you will never match wits with God. People were walking in these last days. There is a way that God has provided that we can walk in victory in all things. I, I don't get it. I don't know why, because probably because I'm, I'm on the other side. I, I just want what God has for me, and I don't want to miss it, so it kind of becomes a focus of my life, so I can't wrap my head you know, around it. But uh, I, I just don't understand why people don't want into this so bad that they're willing to walk away from everything to get it because it's so good. I've toiled in a job. If you've ever, anybody here ever toiled in a job like it was a job that just like wore you out? Yeah, I've been there. It's no fun. I don't work anymore. I live. I, I, I don't, I mean like my average day is probably 10 to 12 hours of what I, I'm doing things and working on things and doing things, but I don't work. I don't have a job. I tell you what, it, it, it's so great to get free from the grind. God, thank you. <laughs> See, if God wants us to do something and we're subject to Pharaoh, no, you're supposed to be here from eight to five. You can't go do that. So Pharaoh did. He controlled the lives. Now God can't, that, that stifles what we can do. I'm not saying quit your job. I'm saying we got to look at ourselves and say, are we living at the level? There's uh, in one of the, uh, somebody may be able to help me. I can't remember if it's in Ecclesiastes or in Jeremiah. It might be Ecclesiastes. He said, I, I, I've witnessed something. I'm paraphrasing it. I've seen princes walking while slaves rode horses. It's Ecclesiastes. Uh, we're the prince and princesses. We're the ones that should be on the horses. But all the heathen out there are controlling everything. The education system, the money system, the economic profiles, everything else. Because the princes would rather walk than take their rightful place. That's called despising the birthright. We've got to understand how important this is. And we've got New Testament stories on it. Uh, the master gave his, his servants talents and, and said, uh, go out and, and work this in and bring me back. When I come back, make sure you've grown it. He expects us to do something. He expects us to beat back darkness. He says, I've given you all things pertaining to life and godliness. And most Christians are just struggling to get by in life. Well, you got uh, interest rates are high and inflation is, is, is high. Well, if inf interest rates are too high for you, become the lender and not the borrower. Hmm? See, can we believe that we can walk in what God said we can walk in? Can we believe that we are who God said we are? If we're just chasing our want-tos, we'll never have it. But the cool thing is Psalm 37, 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and God will give you the desires of your heart. He's not trying to keep anything back, and he'll add no sorrow to it. 